welcome to season two of the Anxiously Engaged podcast. I am your host, Rachel Curfew. But if we haven't met yet, I'm a wife, a mother, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and a certified coach specializing in anxiety and helping individuals live their life even more anxiously engaged. You might be thinking, what does that mean? Being anxiously engaged is quite the opposite of being anxious. It's about stepping out of anxiety, out of your fears, and out of the shadows of your life, and moving carefully into the light where you get to really shine as you live your life filled with passion, excitement, and energy. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome back everybody to the Anxiously Engaged podcast. I am, I was just saying a second ago to our guest, Julie Lee, that I'm fangirling a little bit today. Um, I had the privilege of meeting her um, a while ago at just casually at a, at a meeting and um, just was really inspired by her. So to be able, uh, like a year and a half or so later, whenever long it's been, to have her as one of our guests here on the podcast just means the world to me. So thank you, Julie, for popping in today. I really am excited to hear your story, share your story, and to get to know you a little better. You're welcome. It's an honor to be here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Well, one of the things that inspired me um, recently from your story, and you have, I know, an amazing story you'll share with us today, but um, I recently saw your HopeWorks talk, and we can talk about that if you want in a minute, but one of the things that inspired me from it was that you tell a story that's very real and truthful about struggling with anxiety and for a long time. And some of the women I work with get really scared to share that they struggle or that it's something that they've had for a long time or and they, they've tried a lot of things and they're still trying to figure out answers. And you found some for you that are working for you, but how did your story start? Where, what Can you start with a little bit about your anxiety and then share with us where it's all, where, how you've come from being in those shadows of the anxiety to now living that anxiously engaged life? Absolutely. So my story really, I mean, all of our stories begin at birth, right? But um, <laughs> as a kid, I grew up with a father that had a mental illness. And so I was uh, kind of in a front row seat for a lot of um, depression and anxiety watching that and how that interacted in my home. And it was kind of almost as if um, the mental illness was the sun and our family revolved around it. It was pretty consuming in our, in our life. And my parents loved us and they did the absolute best they could. And it was also very, very challenging. And because of that, when I left my home, uh, when I moved out, when I was 19, I was very committed to not dating anyone um, that had any mental health challenges because I had been around that. And I'm a really bubbly outgoing person. I did the student council thing. I'm happy and nice and I like people and I've just naturally always been that way a uh, very different from from the depressive episodes I watched and and the panic attacks and anxiety and so even when I and I talk about this a little bit in my hope works video but it's so interesting that even just a couple of dates into our relationship with my husband 
I told him, I was like, I need to know if you like any mental illness, like in your family history in you, like, have you ever had this? Um, and he, I'm sure he was just like, whoa, this girl's intense. Um, but I was so committed to that. I didn't want that in my life anymore. You know, that I had like done my part, you know, and that I was, I was ready to be free of that influence in my life. And he hadn't, um, and we did indeed uh, get married, obviously, because I said he's my husband. <laughs> Yay. Um, about a year and a half, almost two years into our marriage, uh, I was student teaching out of state. I went to BYU here in Utah and I did an, um, what do they call it? An international, not international, a national program um, for student teaching out of state. And I was at a really rough school it was an elementary school but I mean there's like dead dogs in the street and parents who have been shot just a really hard neighborhood um it, you know the kids needed you know kindergartners have to wear clear backpacks they don't bring knives to school that kind of environment wow I loved those kids man I loved those kids uh unfortunately I was with a mentor that I let make me feel very small and about five and a half weeks into that student teaching experience, it was so bad, um, my interactions with my mentor there, that I was like stifling back vomit in the bathroom stall, shaking, crying uncontrollably, not being able to calm down. And I'd never experienced this kind of panic before. Um, and I went home that evening and had my first first real intense panic attack. Um, maybe I was having one in the stall. It sounds like now as I say that, I love it. Sounds like it started. I remember as yeah. clearly being the first episode where I was like, this is never going to end and it's never going to get better. Um, and that kind of triggered the journey of my life for the next five and a half, six years through my twenties, where I would be on and off medications and in and out of therapy and trying so hard to put this to bed. Um, you know, with therapists in the beginning, it was like, we'd talk about the student teaching experience and about my interactions with that mentor. And, and it's like, that wasn't really what was bringing me anxiety. And it, we kept thinking like, why am I not okay? And then it wasn't actually until I got into a childhood trauma therapist that she kind of started peeling back some things, um, just some traumatic events I witnessed as a kid um, having to do a lot with, with anxiety and depression. So you can imagine that for me to start struggling with anxiety and mine was always anxiety in the beginning, and then it would spiral into a dark depression, but the anxiety would stay, they were together. And, um, I almost feel like one or the other is better <laughs> instead of having them together was pretty insane. Um, but, but for me, happy, bubbly me, to struggle at all anxiety. I mean, my anxiety was about ha having anxiety, if that makes sense. Totally. My anxiety and depression were about that I was experiencing these things that I had worked so hard to run from. And, and the only sample pool I had for mental illness was what I watched. I didn't know people like that you interview on this podcast that have struggled with anxiety before. I didn't know people that are really happy and that have had bouts of depression. I didn't know people like that. And I never really saw my dad get to a place that for me looked like he got better. Um, and so I was terrified and, and, and sure that my life was over. Um, and it wasn't, 
it wasn't until I started really working through some of that childhood trauma and even still for years I struggled. And I think so much of the struggle has been because I was struggling against that this was in me at all. Um, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want it to be there. I was afraid of it. I was running from it. And it wasn't until uh, it was the summer of 2017, actually, that I hit another rock bottom. And um, I was, you know, I was begging my husband to institutionalize me. It was bad. And we had two little kids at the time that I finally had enough professionals. And what I feel strongly was um, some divine communication from my God that I was a situation where I may need to be on medication for the rest of my life and go to maintenance therapy for the rest of my life. And instead of struggling to push this away to say, Hey, this is a susceptibility I have, and I'm going to accept this help that has been blessed on this earth for me. And I'm not, I'm not going to keep hopping off medication. I'm not going to keep being afraid that I have this. I'm going to accept that I have this and I'm going to have the best life ever with this. And really when I was able to accept that and to really engage in, like, I don't miss taking my medication hardly ever. Right. Like I, I don't do the whole, like, Oh, I feel better now. And so maybe I'll hop off. Like I don't do that anymore. Um, and I know everybody's journey is different and that is not the answer for everyone. But for me, um, I did that for years and that was not a life of peace and happiness. Right. And I then felt, you know, really prompted to and called to start this podcast, which is called ICU, uh, where I share stories of people, not just about mental health, but all different challenges. I mean, we have a guy on there that escaped a Scientology cult and his, his upbringing. And we have a guy, uh, a secret service officer from the White House that has a stutter and how he got to be where he is. And he still has a stutter. He stutters on my podcast. Um, all these different life journeys where people really saw them and help them get through those, those challenges, those curveballs of their life. I share those stories and parts of my own on this podcast. I see you. And then, uh, just two years later, I was contracted to write a book, um, called, I see you how compassion and connection save lives. And that came out last September. And we got, we got Tim Ballard to write the foreword. Who's the founder of operation underground railroad. If you don't know about that, I'm going to put a little plug in for that. Yes. That does not help me at all. Um, it's just a fantastic organization. And now I, I spend a lot of my time, you know, speaking and keynote speaking and, and just, and I'm, I'm in schools now we're piloting an ICU program for educators here at Springville high school near me and Reese elementary also near me. So we're, we're piloting it that this year and collecting data before and after to see if this program is, and a lot of it is, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of it is, is teaching these principles that I do in my book about self-compassion, about what makes you different, makes you powerful, um, a conviction to listen, high definition thinking. Um, and we'll see, we'll see the impact it has on these educators, but I'm excited. I see, you know, only bright things ahead. That's fantastic. I love, well, there's so many things I'm going to comment on from what you said, if that's okay. <laughs> First of all, the word accept is so important in your story, because I think when we get to a moment, at least with the ladies that I work with who have anxiety and panic and depression and some of those things, there comes a moment when you have to decide how you're going to accept it. Are you, you're going to, are you going to fight it? Are you going to accept that it's this 
painful, terrible life sentence. I've had women describe their anxiety as cruel and unusual punishment, death sentence, like everything you can possibly imagine that's horrible. And that's one way of accepting it, but that's a way that's going to keep you spiraling into more and more anxiety and more and more pain and more and more suffering. You had a moment where you decided to accept the good side of it. Like, okay, there I've got help. I've got resources. I've got tools. I've got medications. And you decided I can accept this in a way that I can embrace it and live my life and move forward. That's a really empowering moment because that totally shifts the trajectory of your life complete change was that something that just kind of was a i think for a lot of people it's kind of several events that kind of come together at the right moment and the right time is that what happened to you or did you stop and just say no enough i'm 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 making a choice yeah i think like i said i think it was um i had a feeling one night i was tossing and turning and crying in my bed my husband was asleep it was about two in the morning and I had, a, I was saying um, in my mind, praying in my mind, what haven't I done? What have I not um, tried? You know, I'm, I'm exercising, I'm cutting out sugar, I'm cutting out caffeine. I done all the natural ways I could think of all the, all the things and uh, learning a new instrument. I mean, I would literally Google lists of how to not be depressed, how to combat depression, how to combat anxiety. And I would just do them. Do, yeah. do, 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 do. I'm a doer, right? Yeah. And um, I had just this thought come to my head out of nowhere. And um, this, do you, is this a religious audience on your podcast? Absolutely. The okay. majority of the listeners are all um, women who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, and, but we've had women who aren't of that faith and share religious things too. So it's absolutely welcomed. Absolutely. Great. Well, I had this feeling, which I really feel like was direct inspiration from God. And the thought that came into my mind was go to your doctor. And the next morning I got up and I went to my doctor and we realized my antidepressant wasn't working. Um, I had switched on and off it enough times that it wasn't working anymore. And we switched to a different one. And that though, like the specific one we did, I also had some confirmation about, um, through a, like just so many little things. And then, you know, and then I have my therapist at the time who just sits me down and is like, girlfriend, I'm not a pill pusher. I love you trying all these techniques, mindfulness, metal meditation. All of these are helpful, but in your specific circumstance, I have never seen someone do as much as you are doing and not see more healing in your life. You are a, an, a, a specific case. I would say you may need to accept being on medication long-term. Yeah. Permanently. Yeah. And um, instead of seeing that, like you talked about, like a life sentence, like what I thought of as, as watching my dad's mental illness, I heard that and I felt a permission to let go. Wow. I felt a permission to to love me and to let go and to, to hand over a little bit of that control that I was trying so hard to, to keep grip on and let go and, and let medication help stabilize my chemicals a little instead of trying to go at it alone still. That's so cool. I love that. Cause isn't it so cool when we have that personal revelation that 
gives us so much faith and courage and, and peace. I mean, can you imagine? I, I just can't imagine not having that in my life. So I'm so grateful for those moments when we have those big decisions and we cross those crossroads, like, should I do the medicine? Should I not? And then to have that peace and that confirmation, like, yeah, that's okay. This is all right. This is a good thing for you. For sure. Absolutely. Sounds like you've had, I'm making an assumption here, but it sounds like you've had a really good husband through this journey. A lot of good husband support. Is that been a big factor in your journey too? Yes, absolutely. And to be honest, um, he did not know what to do with all of this. I mean, he had no history with this. I didn't know what to do. Neither of us knew what to do. So I say that. And, and I, I say this, I want to be real and honest about this because sometimes we can see things, right. We can see, you know, the Instagram stories or the whatever, and, and think like, Oh, well, if I had a husband like this, or if that, you know, this is why it has not been smooth sailing for us in our marriage of how to handle this, because we both have just been like, you know, what have we not tried? What, you know, but man, Oh yeah. My husband like never, ever, ever has given up on me. And he has always believed that I am capable of like anything. Like he, he tells me all the time, he has a master's degree from Notre Dame. And he's always like, you could do my job better than I could. Like you, if you just tried, you'd be better than me. I'm sure. Like that's the kind of, which I completely disagree and I don't want his job, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but he enjoys it. Uh, but, but that's the kind of belief my husband has in my abilities. And I think that's a big reason why I have had any success is because I've had this person next to me that is just like, um, yes, you can like, and, and believes it 100% doesn't just say it, but like, I can tell in his core, he believes it. And so while both of us have had to stumble along and figure out and fight and, and, and hurt each other's feelings and all these things all along the way, there's always been this insane, crazy belief in me and love and commitment to me that I think is pretty special. Yeah. It's a, it's a treasure. What it's, it's a really special treasure. I think so many women struggle because when they're going through those really big bouts of anxiety or depression or the panic attacks are kicking in, it's not that the husbands don't love them and believe in them, but they don't know what to do and they feel helpless and they want to fix it and they can't. And that can cause a lot of stress and contention. So um, one thing I've noticed is that men and women tend to feel and do anxiety a little bit different. Um, And so they don't always get it. So you've been really, I'm really grateful that you've had such an amazing support and a rock through that whole thing, because that makes a huge difference. It does. So yeah, we have to give a shout out to him for sure. He's a, that's awesome. He's a good egg. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. Um, When you, um, decided to write your book. How was that? Was that a challenge? Or is that you, you already had all the knowledge and the skills and the stories and stuff, I'm sure just floating through your head and knowing exactly what you wanted to do, but was that hard to get that process, uh, that story out? I've seen countless people on social media posting re- rave reviews about your book, um, reading an inspirational story. So I know it's made an impact, but was it a challenge for you getting it out or was it just something that flowed easily or how did the book writing process go? Oh, yes and no. Uh, what One thing that was challenging and awesome was that the contract wanted the date for my contract was to finish it in three and a half months from when I signed it. And I hadn't really started it. (laughs) So, um, 
that was challenging. And like, I have a lot of friends around me that have published books Mm -hmm. and most of them were like, uh, you can't, you know, that's insane. Um, but I, I also, it was like a really sacred, intense, acute part of my life Mm -hmm. for three and a half months where that was what I ate, drink and slept. And also was a mom and, you know, we had a lot of frozen pizza and my (laughs) husband did a lot of just being with the kids, uh, you know, single dadding it when after his, his work. And so it was challenging, but I also, um, feel like it was a really sacred time where I was, you know, before I'd pray, I I think every time, almost every time, at least before I would, sorry, not before I would pray, before I would write, I would literally kneel on the ground and just like lay my face on the carpet and stretch my arms out and just say, help me. Because I needed to do it in such a quick time, there was no question that I needed a lot of help. And I really believe I had a lot of help, both divine help. And I have a mother that's a writer and, you know, would edit for me a little bit, you know, she would not a little bit, a lot. And I have a sister who has read my manuscript like four times and had a conversation with me that was hard. So I'd written the book and she read the whole thing in like, you know, two days or something. And she called me. This is my oldest sister, my big sister, who's kind of like my mom too. She, yeah. she, she's like always like caring for me like a mother hen and she said to me she said I loved this book so much because I learned things about you that I never knew wow and she said and also it is so so heavy Mm. and I don't know that if I would have continued reading it if it wasn't about my sister because it's hard wow and that was so hard and I started crying and I said don't get off the phone we have to talk about this because I knew she was right. And yet I knew that I was going to have to make a lot of changes in a short amount of time. Yeah. And it's interesting because as I was talking, I have a podcast as well called I see you the same as the book. And um, I was interviewing a good friend, Ty Bennett, who I think we both know. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying that Stephen Covey told him once, make sure the book you write is for the reader and not the writer. And I think that first manuscript of the book was for the writer. I think that that was me getting out a lot of feelings and experiences. And then I had the opportunity to take that manuscript and make sure it was for the reader Mm -hmm. and to make it about them and a little less about me. And, um, and that I could, I could still share some experiences throughout it because it's not a memoir, right? It's more of like a self-help leadership book, but I do share experiences from my life throughout it to teach principles that I could share in a way that wasn't um, draining, that wasn't um, me throwing up, you know, some of the darkest experiences of my life, that there wasn't, there, there was no need for shock value or any of those things, but that the book could stand alone in, in the principles and the love and the grace and all the things that I was given, um, during the, that time. So it was hard and it was beautiful and I have no regrets. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you, when your sister said to you, Hey, look, this is a little heavy. Um, we need to make some changes. I wouldn't read the whole thing if it wasn't my sister. Did that trigger? Cause I would go straight into, I'm not good enough. 
I failed again. That's because that's my story. When I when I mess up, that's where my default thinking goes. Um, and I that would trigger anxiety for me. Did that, are you in a place where that triggered that? Or was it just like the anxiety side? Or, or was it more just like, oh, I've got to accept that this is, we'll use air quotes, constructive criticism. And like, how did you, how did you deal with that? Like you said, you cried for a minute, but then how do you pick up and go from there? Well, I think having signed a contract with a publisher <laughs> made things a little more like I have to get it done. Um, oh, I, I totally felt anxiety for sure. I, I felt like I totally felt those feelings of I'm not good enough and how am I going to do this? And I just worked so hard and it's not good enough. And, you know, like I, I'm a doer, but I just like to get things done and put a bow on it and just closure, have it done on to the next. And so even though three and a half months is a short period to a writer, it also felt really exhausting and draining to pouring over a book all the time and rewriting and changing. And then I thought it was good like this, but now I feel like it needs to go a new direction. And totally, I mean, it taught me so much about just like consistency and taking breaks and um, like, oh, what's, the, there's a specific word that starts with a D that I'm looking for. Like when you separate things away from each other. Like to um, divide or... Um... I don't know. I don't know it's okay though. <laughs> Listeners, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> able to, yeah. Just separate um, when I was and be present in whatever I was doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And those are things I learned like in therapy. And as I, as I did a lot of healing from, from severe anxiety and depression, but it was a whole new thing now on a professional level with a book that was going to be in front of a lot of people, hopefully um, to really make it what it needed to be. It was, it was a lot of mantra saying and yeah. a lot of prayer and just one day at a time one yeah. day at a time which is how I live my life anyways but it, it took on new meaning as I as I took on that new venture I can imagine I have to just recap what you said here for a minute because you just gave some really powerful steps that would apply to someone doing a big project like writing a book or something but it does apply to anything in our life and especially for women with or with a without anxiety or or um, challenges with depression or other things but you said consistency take breaks separate or divide things up and be present those are powerful steps and really great steps really honestly like i said for any situation for any woman because i do think we get overwhelmed we put so much pressure on ourselves we have such high expectations we never want to disappoint our people but I think you're right. If we show up a little bit and we're consistent, we take self-care time, take breaks, um, divide things up where we can, um, uh, and then and be present and enjoy the moment. Those, those are beautiful steps that um, really can be applied, like I said, to any, any situation for any woman. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, and as you say those, I'm like, oh, I do those things every day. It's, it's getting to be muscle memory, luckily, whereas it wasn't in the beginning, right? It wasn't, it felt counterintuitive to try to be present. It was so hard. Yeah. But I'm grateful to be in a space now to see like, oh, it does get easier. It gets a lot easier. It's, it's yeah. kind of my lifestyle now. And I, I love it. I'm, I'm not going back. I don't ever want to go back to just being reactive, you know, but, but to being mindful and present and breathing and taking breaks and yeah. it's a good life. It's a good gig. You know, it is. it's a recipe for happiness. It's a recipe for peace. 
Yep. Yeah. I, I put my stamp on that too. I agree. <laughs> yeah. You came up with it also. It's beautiful. It's perfect. Uh, just going back to your book. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but um, I have seen just like on social media, several people commenting, I got your book or I read your book or, and I've seen some of those. Has there been one that's really touched you? That's like, this is one of the, one more reason why I needed to write this book. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. So I just had the one come to mind. So I think maybe that's the one I meant to share. Um, there was a, okay. So I received an email from a stranger, someone I don't know in person and that have followed my podcast for a long time and they got my book and loved it. And so they got an extra copy and they mailed it to someone anonymously that is in their community. Um, it's a teacher. And they just felt like this woman, it was, it was a man and he emailed it to her. And he just said, this lady, I see her just, she sees everyone she meets. And I'm so, so impressed with her. And I just think she, I want her to feel seen. And, but he did it anonymously. So we just sent her this book and then he, so he emails me and sends me a screenshot of something she posted on social media. So this is like through a stranger, through a stranger. And the post is incredible. It talks about how, can I read it to you? Yeah, absolutely. I have a copy right here. I absolutely. Think. Right I here. love stories like this. So I have it right here. Oh, beautiful. This is what it says. Her name is Cynthia Southwick Bradford. So her post says, so someone sent me this book a few weeks ago. I don't know who, but I'm super grateful. I've been reading and learning and trying to see people. So yesterday I gave one of my students a card. He's one that is easy to miss, to not see, but I've been trying to look for the ones that are harder to see and I found him. So I wrote him a simple note telling him that he is seen and that I know he can do great things and that he will do great things. And then I found it on the floor at the end of the day, the note, and I felt stupid. Like I had read the book wrong or done the application in real life all wrong. I kept it for some reason, the note. And then this morning I opened my email to this and I cried and was grateful for whomever sent me the book for seeing, for the boy who wants the simple note his teacher wrote, going to look for more of my students to see. They so desperately need to be seen, to be believed and to be known. And then with it, there's a screenshot of this email. It doesn't have um, any name to it or anything, but this is what it said from this student. Hey, Miss Bradford, I might have left your card in your room. I'm so sorry if I did, but I cannot find it. And I wanted to just have it in my room. And if it isn't there, do you mind writing it on a smaller piece of paper, preferably fit in a phone case that's the size of my phone sized. It really meant a lot to me. And I would love to just have it on me constantly to look at just to give myself inspiration. That's cute. Ooh, and I'm like feeling teary. You remember I'm that. teary too. <laughs> um, oh. I just think that like you read that and you're just like, okay, like, worth it, you know, um, getting, yeah, that wasn't, that was an email that really impacted me and, um, also felt like confirmation, um, to work, to help, um, educators specifically. I like speaking everywhere, but I, I've like been trying to find my niche. Um, and I just thought that that's where my mind had been going. And then I got that and I was like, okay, yeah, okay. That's what we're doing now. You know, that's and where I'm feeling called. I love that story for like a million reasons, but how, as a mom, I'm a mom, I've had kids who struggle. I've got kids with anxiety. I've got 
um, you know, how much of a difference would that have been to me as a kid growing up to have a teacher write me a note like that or my kid to come home and say and and have it you know they may or may not show me but like to know or to see that they've got this little note from their handwritten note from their teacher that says hey i see you that's huge in a person's life especially in this crazy world where for kids and teenagers this is hard time to live yep. every person i mean needs that every person needs that but especially our kids holy cow yeah, that I'm just like teary and touched by that. That's really beautiful. Thank yeah. you for sharing that one because that's that's powerful. That's really powerful. You're welcome. Um, you recently did a HopeWorks video. Um, for some people, if they don't know what HopeWorks is, they're so beautiful. They're amazing stories. They're a little bit like TED Talks, but I, and I don't know the history. But there are they. It's is it through the church? Is that who promote or host them? I think it is. Is that right or? Yeah, it is. It is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and I know that I think they strive to have it be kind of non-denominational as far as the message that that anyone is welcome and can understand. But I believe, yeah, it is produced through the church. That's fantastic. Was that exciting to do? Yes. Oh, it was so exciting to do. It was so exciting to do. And I'm so grateful to have had a friend that did a did a talk there that recommended me um i just got an email saying you've been recommended are you interested and it was still a process it was like send us your message and then they really critiqued it not not they were good with the message but even there were some parts that um they they were just like oh this might create a negative image in their mind and we just making sure it was just really there were just a couple word choices they want to change that's all they were they were pretty happy with how it was and it was just amazing to watch how seriously um these people take wanting to bring hope yeah um and and going to the set and all the cameras and the you know the makeup person and just like we just want this to be a beautiful thing that is is gonna be what that person needs today um the lighting making sure it was bright and I was just, I was astounded. And yeah, it was me. I felt like a movie star for a day. I don't know if I'll ever get to feel like that again, but I like walked in and I was like, you know, everyone's like, okay, did you bring costume changes? Okay. And everyone's looking at my earrings. And I was like, I could get used to this. This is fun, you know, um, you know, what, we're just going to touch up your makeup. And I was like, please, you know, we're going to do a little something with your hair. And I was like, oh, go for, it. I have no pride. Do whatever you need. To do. It, was, it was fun. And I just thought they did such a phenomenal job with the video and the music. And I just, I'm, yeah, I'm so just honored and grateful to have been a part of it. You know, it's really special. Well, and it, it was very beautiful and every girl deserves to be a princess for a day and be totally spoiled and pampered and feel like a movie star. But, um, I, like you said, I watched it just a few weeks ago and it touched me in that moment. It was what I needed that day. I was home alone and I was kind of having a tough day. Nothing bad, just, you know, when you're just not like full of energy and you just kind of feeling down. And for some reason I was drawn to turn that on. Um, we have on our TV an, an app when it, and it just pulls up all the hope works. Um, and I saw yours and I was like, I know her, I'm going to watch hers. And I've seen many on there, but that day, and I turned it on and I was across the room. I just had it in, you know, 
on in the background as I was, you know, working in the kitchen and doing some things. And I literally had to stop what I was doing and rewind it. And I'm standing like a little kid in front of the TV at the screen and just soaking it in. And I, I just was so touched by it. It really touched me that day. It was the message that I needed that day. So I just really appreciate it too. Just for me, for myself, it was a really beautiful message. And I, if you guys have not seen it, like you that are listening, you seriously need to get on and see that because it is beautiful. Not just the message. The message is so inspiring and empowering, but they did do a beautiful job. It's a beautiful set, the colors, the lighting. It just, I was just totally drawn into it. I, for a few minutes, my whole life stopped and I was just transported right there with her. And I felt like I was just having this one-on-one heart to heart. It was so beautiful. So yes, please check it out for sure. If you haven't, because it is truly beautiful. Thank you. You made me all teary again. Oh, <laughs> <you>. sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's just so special. I just, you know, you just have these moments where you're like, I just never thought this would happen. And this is really cool. It's yeah. cool to be a part of. Yeah. Little moments along our journey make all the difference. And, and then we go, I think we all have our story, but we, as we're going through it, we feel God's hand in our lives as we have those moments where we like accept the medication or we get the book submitted, or now you're working in this school. And, and I have different moments. My story's different, but where I'm have a client that has a win, you know, and, and my clients sometimes are not their win is I made a phone call, you know, and that's a massive win that day. Or some of them have had bigger wins, like they go back to work and, and in a career they couldn't do before because their anxiety was so bad. So, you know, we all have these stories. And as we go through, um, we ourselves are changed and become better and stronger and, and become our fullest potential. But call oh, it so validating when you get to witness someone else having a win because of what you went through. That is like our biggest paycheck. It's like, Oh my gosh, I didn't do this for them, but I am so glad that I was able to be an inspiration or a support or a cheerleader, whatever the word is, and, and touch their hearts in some way that their life can be better now too. That's, it's, it's a beautiful journey we take. And, and I say all the time, women need women. We, women need other women. We need to have these moments when we connect, when we inspire, when we teach, when we love, when we feel seen when we feel heard. So yeah, you're doing it a beautiful job of all of that. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Is there anything else that you would want to share to, with our listeners today? Any part of your story or a tip or a thought, like if we've got somebody who's like feeling anxious or worried today, they're like, I want to be more anxiously engaged in my life. I want some of those healing tender moments. I want to feel seen and heard any thoughts or last things you want to share with them. Yeah, I would just say, first of all, I see you, um, you know, the first scene of my book is me laying on a dirty tile bathroom floor, just begging for healing. And there's nothing like that. Um, and if that's where you are, I just want to validate that and say, I see you and it's real and it's intense. And there is hope and healing ahead for you. If you choose it, it's there. It's all there for you. Um, reach out to someone that will listen, um, find, find ways if you can to be quiet and, and, and listen to what maybe some, someone bigger than you has to tell you and, um, follow your heart and 
you know, find those people in your corner and just one day, one step, one second, one minute at a time will bring you to do some pretty amazing things. Um, that's certainly been my experience. And, um, you know, I, we don't ever want to compare challenges because no one knows what it's like to be us, right? But I can just tell you only to bring you hope that things were pretty severe for me when they were at their worst, they were bad. They were, they were, um, they were scary bad and more than once. And um, I used to say a mantra to myself that is she's rooting for you. And she was my future self rooting for me. And something about that phrase, she's rooting for you when things were so hard, that future me that had healing and light. Um, I couldn't picture her sometimes, but I feel like I'm her now. And I see that um, that, that mantra was too and I, true. And I just want to say that I'm rooting for you too. And that um, hope and healing is absolutely available. And um, just take a breath and, you know, take a minute at a time and strive for light. And I think you'll find it. Yeah, I 100% agree and, and echo those same feelings and thoughts. And, you know, um, if you are one of those ladies who's like, I can't find that hope, I can't find that healing, reach out to us because we have tools, we have resources, we have connections, we have, you know, strategies or whatever. So please know you are 100% not alone. If you just haven't found the right thing yet, it doesn't mean it's not there. It's just we haven't found it yet. And we will. We will. There are people in your corner, even if you can't see them, you are being cheered on. And I absolutely love your mantra. She's rooting for you. Holy cow. I might steal that. That is so powerful because even, um, even if we are the people we've, um, it is the girl who was rooting for that person laying on the floor before who is feeling broken. Cause I've had lots of those broken moments too there's still another future one that is still rooting for who we are today to be even better and to keep going and to keep moving forward on our journey. So um, I love that. There is a one of those girls inside of you too, the listeners, you guys, There's she's rooting for you too. She's in there and she's rooting for you. So don't give up, hang in there. I love that. Okay, how can people find you if they want your book, if they want to, we talked a little bit to how to find the Hope Works uh, video, but how can people find you, reach out to you if they want you to come speak or whatever, give us all the goods on how people can find you. <laughs> yeah, so my main website is julieleespeaks.com, julieleespeaks.com. And I post most often on, I am on like LinkedIn and Instagram, julieleespeak. Um, I post most often on Facebook. That's kind of my landing spot where I have the biggest following. So I focus my time as Facebook, um, just under Julie Lee. And I, um, my Hope Works video, yeah, go to YouTube. If you just type in Hope Works, um, you'll see it if you just scroll down. I mean, I'm wearing a black shirt, but I think the video is called, um, I, I promised I'd never become depressed or something like that. I think it's kind of neat, actually. At first, I was like, oh, I wish it popped up if you type my name in, Hope Works Julie Lee, which I think it does, um, but it's not It's not about our name, and I, I think that's kind of cool. That's something I've noticed about Hope Works is they don't, it's not about the person's name. It's about um, the message, and that's because I think we're all, it's important that we all know that, like, we're the same, and none of us are alone, um, 
And I love that. But yeah, if you, yeah, my book, I See You, How Compassion Connection Save Lives, it's on Amazon. Um, it's at cedarcourt.com. I think it's on walmart.com. It's a lot of places now. And there's also a bracelet. I'm wearing one that says, I see you on it. That is, is from a special story that's told in the introduction. And I also have my podcast as well. I see you that's on all the platforms, you know, all the places. So you can find that on my website as well. So yeah, love to connect with you. Fantastic. I love that. Julie, thank you so much for coming today. This has been very inspirational for me and touching as you saw, I teared up twice <laughs> and I don't usually do that, but I did today. So thank you for that. And I just really appreciate your willingness to come spend a few minutes with us today. And um, I know that somebody will hear this um, when this is put out and I know it will touch them and I know they will feel seen and heard. So thank you for doing that for us today. You're so welcome. Happy to be here. So to our listeners, as we always say, I wish you guys all an anxiety-free and a gratitude-filled day. We'll see you next time.